0: Welcome to another episode of Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are presented by SeatGeek, the best way to buy and sell tickets online or on your phone. Use the promo code LO Bulls to get a twenty dollars rebate off your first purchase on SeatGeek. That that SeatGeek. Uh you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, uh, Google Play, TuneIn. Follow us on Twitter at LockedOnBulls. Send us questions there. Send us questions or advertising inquiries to LockedOnBulls at gmail.com. Check out plenty of the other podcasts in the Locked On Podcast Network, including Locked On Bears with Arthur Arkush, Locked On NFL, Locked On Fantasy Football, Locked On NBA, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, any of the other individual team podcasts that may interest you. Uh, I'm Sean Heiken of Bleacher Report and NBC Sports. With me, as always, Cody Westerland of 670 The Score. Cody, there's some drama involving alphas in the Eastern Conference, and for once, it doesn't involve the Bulls.
1: You got that correct, Sean. There is trouble on the home front in uh, D.C., where their high-profile backcourt of mm-hmm. Bradley Beale, John Wall, uh, is not getting along, and this kind of felt like a uh, a bombshell on the NBA scene for it being, what, August 23rd, I think, <laughs> this day of recording. It's supposed to be the quiet off season, But John Wall and Bradley Beal aren't getting along at all, it doesn't seem like. And this isn't uh, the Bulls-type situation where it was rumored and kind of subtle and behind-the-scenes. Speculation. Yeah, but it reminds in the same sense, but the Wizards are just, they're basically on the record to reporters saying they don't like each other. And I'm genuinely shocked, and we'll get to the quotes here uh, right now just to give you a little bit of an idea, but... John Wall actually said, these are his words, quote, I think a lot of times we have a tendency to dislike each other on the court. We have to be able to put that aside, And end quote. And that to me was just jarring to hear from the Wizards, and we have the perspective, like you said, Sean, of the Bulls last year trying to say the right things, but here we have kind of the opposite path where it's like brutal honesty is that the right ploy? Like, what do we make of the Wizards? How do they stack up in the Eastern Conference compared to the Bulls here? Well, the Bulls and the Wizards were kind of in the
0: same spot last year. You know, they, they both had really good playoff runs the year before. They made it to the second round. Uh, the, the Wizards by beating uh, Toronto in the first round, and then the uh, Bulls by beating Milwaukee. And this year, you know, coming into the year, they were especially with how much success the Wizards had in the playoffs last year, there was the thought of, oh, you know, is Otto Porter going to, play power forward now? Is he going to take a step forward? Or, you know, is Randy Whitman secretly a good coach and was just kind of... Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Exposed like the times. Well, but, like, he, he, make
0: well, it? but he was kind of, you know, was he just kind of playing a long con because he was running a lot more creative sets in the playoffs? And then both teams just kind of disappointed this past year. The Wizards, like the Bulls, were expected to make the playoffs and didn't. You
1: know, Just the, missed at 41 and 40. Yeah. So just barely on the outside looking in. And I think there was some hope. Um, in D.C. that they'd obviously be in the top eight and that'd be one of the teams the Bulls are fighting for in a playoff spot but I don't know what to make of this already and just the approach to me it feels really really weird you haven't played a game yet and to say this like it just sets up the drama when you have a new coach and it's almost like the Jimmy Butler comment I guess isn't much better that happened mid-December for the Bulls last year when Jimmy told Fred Hoiberg told reporters he needed to coach harder and, I mean, there's a little more context to that Jimmy quote, but it clearly didn't help the Bulls at all in year one for him to say that. I can't see how this helps the Wizards in any way, shape, or form. But I guess honesty's a good policy in life, and I guess at least they're, they're kind of approaching it with that. Is that a silver lining at all here? I guess so. And, I mean, I think the
0: optimistic view of this is that Scott Brooks, who the Wizards just hired as their new head coach replacing Randy Whitman, I mean, there's been, you know, as much as like they get along and stuff and they actually play very well together, there's been, you know, it's been a struggle at times in Oklahoma City to get Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook to share the ball and kind of, you know, decide who falls in line. And those are much higher level talents than John Wall and Bradley Beal.
1: It's just hilarious that Scotty Brooks goes from that where so much was made of it in Oklahoma City and nationally about that Durant-Westbrook relationship. Now he walks into a new one where he has the players who already say, we don't like each other on the basketball court. Like, congratulations, Scott Brooks. Here, go make your $6 million, $7 million a year or whatever you're getting paid because <laughs> he's going to earn that. And I don't think he ever thought that was going to be the case walking in. And I, obviously, Fred didn't think the locker room was going to be so hard to control or gain the respect of or just gain the listening ear of in his first year. So, I mean, it would be hilarious to be a fly on the wall if there was some sort of Scotty Brooks, Fred Hoiberg conversation next year. Uh, To my knowledge, they're not great friends or anything in the game, but you know coaches cross paths all the time. Um, But I do think this bodes well for the Bulls being a little bit better in the Eastern Conference than we thought before, perhaps.
0: Right, because the Wizards are one of those teams that are just kind of on the bubble of, you know, maybe they're a playoff team, maybe they're not. And I think that's exactly where the Bulls are. So you've got... I mean I mean cuz if you look at the playoff picture obviously Cleveland is a lock and then you've got Boston, Toronto, Atlanta, Charlotte.
1: Yeah. Uh, all
0: very solid teams. Right. Those are those are all just the kind of teams you think are are probably going to just be pretty solid. Indiana's another one. Pistons are ascending Detroit, Detroit, after that 8 seed yeah. last year. So, so, there's so there's really only after
1: that top 5, a lot of teams in the mix for the last, last there's three. There's really
0: spots only now. one or two playoff spots that are open and you've got a team, you know, you have got Chicago in there, New York, Miami, Washington maybe Milwaukee makes a push but there's a bunch of teams fighting for those spots and like having a situation like what we've got here in Washington with the two best players on the team yeah. saying on the record this isn't like we said this isn't like anonymous sources say that there's tension behind the scenes they literally did a tv interview that's
1: going to air on CSN that said we tend to dislike each other John Wall said of Bradley Beal he said i'm a he's one a he's right there <laughs> but like he just set himself above Beal and I get that, and I know that's how you approach it, and the average fan thinks that, but it's still kind of absurd that he says that. And maybe that's not even the most absurd He comment. literally called Bradley Beal his sidekick. Yeah. So, John Wall, another comment said, referring to Bradley Beal, who had a max contract extension last year, John Wall said, now that you have your money, you got to go out there and improve your game. That's like, we would want to call that the shade of the day, but that's almost too direct and upfront to even... To even enter that territory. It's just so crazy. So this brings up kind of an interesting dynamic of this whole thing, which is, you know, this past
0: summer, as we've all seen from following the NBA and free agency, the salary cap spike happened this summer. There were some huge contracts given out to some guys who, you you know, you can question whether they're worth a lot of a lot of the guys are worth the deals that they ended up getting. And you know, you've, you've seen in the past, John Wall has been pretty outspoken about feeling like guys who under the old salary cap like yeah. himself, because in 2000, I believe it was Something the like summer it. of 2013, he signed a five year, $80 million yep, deal, which the right was thing. the max extension that he could have gotten at the time, the deal that and then and then even before this Beal thing. Last summer, Reggie Jackson signed essentially the same deal. It was like 85 over 5 or 80 over 5. It was somewhere in that range. And John Wall came out and said, look, uh, Reggie Jackson's never been an all-star. He, I, I should be making more than him. He shouldn't be making the same amount of money as me. So John Wall kind of has a history of you know viewing his status in the league as a function of how much money he makes. And so then Bradley Beal, who is his teammate and is a very good player when he's healthy, but just hasn't really had the track record of being able to stay healthy, on basically the first day of free agency, first or second day, he signed a five-year, $127 million deal. And again, this is not like the pure dollar amount that he makes is not a a statement on how he's more valuable than John Wall. If John Wall was a free agent this year, he would have gotten the max that was available to him too. He just happened to have signed his long-term deal in a previous salary cap where there wasn't as much money available. That's, it's more about the system, but that is something that John Wall has talked about in the past with other players, and if he's already talking about how he and Bradley Beal don't like each other, I can't imagine the fact that Beal is making somewhere around $45, $47 million more than him over the life of this yeah, contract man. is going to help matters. You
1: know it does help, though, Sean? What's that? If you're looking to get the best deals on tickets, find your way to SeatGeek.com. Even better, check out the SeatGeek app. The fastest and best easiest way to buy and sell tickets on the secondary market. Get tickets to your app. There's deal scores, there's price alerts, everything you need. You can walk to the gate, the barcode, and just swipe your way in at the front gate. You don't have to deal with that terrible paper in your pocket, losing your ticket, getting it wet in the rain. Just swipe it on your phone. It's great. There's a $20 rebate on tickets with the promo code. You can use L O Bowls. Once again, that's L-O Bowls. Deal scores rate every ticket from 1 to 100 to tell you what's the most bang for your buck. So you want to sit front row at a Bulls game, Sean, or do you want to sit upper deck? Well, obviously, given the choice, I'd rather sit front row, Cody. Why why do you ask? Well, it's got a great deal score, 1 to 100. It can let you know whatever seat that is in the front row or lower bowl, whatever's best bang for your buck. It can tell you when that's the upper deck. It'll tell you as well, 1 to 100 score on SeatGeek. Price alerts. Set your uh, money range $70 to spare, $20 to spare, $150 to spare, whatever the game is. Uh, it'll let you know when the tickets come into your price range. So check that out. The promo code LOBulls at SeatGeek.com or on the SeatGeek app. Great way to buy and sell tickets anytime. And the Bulls are going to be a team that is going to be very entertaining to watch next year. So you're going to want to buy tickets to games because of the three alphas, of course. And we've been talking about the Bradley Beal. John Walpart, and the two alphas, the, the, the two alphas in DC. But that's one of my things that kind of stuck out to me for Bradley Beal. He said it's tough because we're both alphas. End quote. Um, is that should the Bulls be concerned when other premier Eastern Conference players are talking about it's hard to be alphas and they self proclaimed have more alphas than anyone in the Eastern Conference? Did they, what,
0: what I want to know is, is there like a group text that like all these NBA players are on? Where they just say, okay, we're all going to refer to ourselves as alphas this year. Because like Rondo coins the three (laughs) alphas and then Wade and Butler kind of go with it at various points. And then...
1: (laughs) I love it. it. It is like an epidemic now of using terms terrific throughout... It's, it's like how NBA, it's like if it's, they were saying it in the Olympics, we'd know it really is. A, it's a wide it's like thing. how
0: at one point a couple of years ago, all of the NBA players at the press conference were wearing the fake glasses with yeah, no lenses in yeah. them. Like two years ago, it was that, and now it's <laughs> it's calling yourselves
1: alphas. One of the most impractical, um, I guess, devices ever: glasses without lenses. But Russell Westbrook brought him in to uh, kind of um, what should we say mainstream a little bit. Um, and he's he's never shied away from he popularized any, any any fashion trend whatsoever. But yeah, the alpha thing I do get a kick out of. I think the Bulls are a little bit more well positioned because at least they have some hierarchy within their alpha ship, within their kingdom. I don't I don't know what what word to use here. All three of the that- three
0: alphas have said on record, or two of the three alphas have said on record. Uh, Dwayne Wade and Rajon Rondo said that the bulls are jimmy butler's team jimmy butler said that the other two alphas have said that and he's not going to say that but <laughs>
1: which is jimmy's way of saying right it, and, makes no, it and, even better
0: right, it's <laughs> right. See, see i like this washington thing because it's not passive aggressive like that but yeah but the point the point being it seems as at least for right now we'll see how this is in january or february depending on what their record is but as of right now uh all three of them are on the same page that it's quote-unquote Jimmy Butler's team as much as it's anybody's team
1: and I think this gets to the broader point of what matters and we've touched on a little bit is the leadership aspect that Dwayne Wade can bring this team and whether it's Dwayne doing the leading himself um, aggressively or stepping back kind of behind the scenes and letting Jimmy lead but guiding Jimmy a little bit What's the right touch in his approach, whether it's with his words, his play, his actions, decisions, his interactions with the coaching staff? I think that's what's perhaps meaningful that the Bulls have a thirty-four-year-old veteran who's been through a lot of trials and tribulations, in the NBA won championships, and is able to lead and do that. Where in Washington, I don't know that John Wall and Brad Beale have that yet. They're younger trying to learn on the fly and Maybe that's even a parallel to the the Jimmy Butler-Derek Rose last year where um, they were learning on the fly a little bit more. And I know Derek is now, you know, prime of his career. Maybe not so much prime in physical toll because of all the knee injuries, but, age but he's wise. still age-wise 27 or so there. He said um, some stuff. He did say some stuff. We always have Derek Rose news and topics as well. I just want to say thank you to Derek
0: Rose because, like, we're, we're at the point in the summer right now. There's about five weeks to go before training camp starts, and we have stuff to talk about every day. The Olympics are over. It's, like, we're getting to kind of the dregs, and then Derek it's, Rose comes along and, and says that he thinks the Knicks have a chance to win every game. It's yeah, great. It,
1: Derek it. Rose said in an interview with Yahoo Sports that was for the most part focused on his new uh, latest edition of his shoe line, Derek Rose said, of the Knicks, the new, the new look revamped Knicks that include Derek, Courtney Lee, Joakim Noah, uh, obviously a couple guys there that you're familiar with from Chicago days, but Derek Rose said, we have a chance to win every game, and in li- this league, that's rare. Um, Derek is technically correct, yeah. and he didn't, to be clear, he didn't mean that as in saying they have a chance to go 82-0. and He just thinks the Knicks will be highly competitive every single night, but it is, it's still another Derek comment. And uh, we don't let those go by the wayside. We always follow them. And uh, made, made me chuckle a little bit, obviously. Um, he did say that's rare. I think there's just a lot of teams. If the Knicks are going to have a chance to win every night in the NBA, it's not really that rare. There's a lot of teams above them. And that's the thing. If, if, if we want to be technical, everyone has the chance every night. But if we want to hold them to a higher Standard and threshold here. There's like twelve or fifteen teams that clearly are better than the Knicks.
0: Right. Well, I think that it's rare part is a little bit more uh, interesting here than the uh, we have a chance to win every game because of course he didn't mean he literally yeah. thinks the Knicks are going to go eighty-two. At Not all. at all. Like, I, well, I think what he meant was that they're going to go into every single game thinking, okay, we have a chance to win tonight. But the thing is, you don't get even. You know, you if you're Derek Rose or you're you know the fifteenth guy on the bench for a, a bad team or whoever. You don't get to the NBA by not thinking you can win every game. I'm sure everybody on the Sixers thinks that they can go, goes into every game thinking I think we have a chance to win this game. I don't know if that's true. No, I think that is true.
1: I mean, I not, don't know. Not, if that's not true. Not from the standpoint of There's the organization. to be some realists at the end no. of the bench. I know. I I would bet anything that if we have some memoirs and biographies written about some Sixers player, which I don't think anyone will ever on those bad teams of these past few years find out about this or, or any of that come out in a book but books always seem like the place where the truth comes out years later if if they were going to write a book I feel like several of them would admit that they had no chance in a lot of games you know what I mean
0: yeah so, I mean but at the same time I still feel like by and large NBA players are competitive people they're not going to come into yeah. a game saying hey we're going to lose tonight but at least let's put up a good effort they're going to go into this saying I mean Well, because, like, a lot of stuff can break. The Lakers, who were a 17-win team this year, beat the Warriors. If you had just gone in and saying, oh, yeah, they are so much better than us. They have Steph Curry. They have the MVP. They, you know, and we're we're terrible. They're not going to – the Lakers aren't going to go in with that mindset. They're going to think, you know, some weird stuff can happen and we can win.
1: Yeah, I think there's two ways here. I think you can believe that you can win but also be a realist and know that that percentage chance of winning is, like, 2% or something. Uh But still approach the game with the same tenacity. And I think that's a little bit, too, of what's going to invigorate Derek in New York. Just the new scene and believing that they can be successful. Um, How successful? I don't know where we've been talking about the Eastern Conference hierarchy today. Not sure, still, where the Bulls and Knicks fit in in comparison to each other. I would... I don't know. I am really concerned about that Bulls defense, still. We've touched on that a little bit. But if we're just talking offensive fit, you know, putting the ball in the hoop, the Knicks are going to be better than the Bulls at that initially, I would think, because Kristaps Porzingis is really good, Carmelo's still an elite scorer, Derek Rose, no matter what you want to say, can still get to the bucket a lot of the times, he's not that um, game changer vertically with his athleticism, but he can get around people, burn them off the dribble quite a bit, so they'll have a lot of offensive... Courtney Lee's a good shooter. Yeah, a, a, a high offensive ceiling, so... Uh, yeah, I do think the Knicks have a chance to win every game. I think they have a chance to win every time they play the Bulls too. Um, but I do find those teams we mentioned earlier, maybe you know six through eight in the Eastern Conference, maybe five through eight, five through ten in that mix, something like that, is where I kind of see them fitting in from my view. You know, the Golden State Warriors literally have a chance to win every game. Like if they won, seven, <laughs> if they won like 75 games, it would not shock me. Yeah, so I got a point on this. Okay. I think the Warriors should try to bust up that 73 win record they set last year and go for like 75, 76 and say the only way to exercise those demons of setting the NBA record for regular season wins when everyone now wants us to scale back after we lost the championship and, you know, respect the regular season or keep the playoffs in mind and just go for 68 easy wins and be rested for the postseason. No. Obl- obliterate it. Abolish that record. Go like, eighty and two. I, I, I think that's a little bit out of the reach. Isn't but what what do you think about the Warriors going for like a seventy six and six chase? I mean, I'm down, but I also there's no way that's gonna happen. Do you think it's smart though? No. If Draymond Green had his way, he would be saying yes. Let's do that. Are you a little worried about Draymond because I kind of am because he couldn't shoot in the Olympics he was and lost his, in the Olympics. He lost his confidence. He is a guy that uh, is so dependent on his swagger really you know Uh, night to night his confidence how he's feeling flying around making plays getting everyone pumped up and uh, a lot of times that means butting heads with the opponent sometimes literally sometimes below the belt um but Draymond is is a guy that very much so confidence-based obviously had that off-season incident um I think at a bar back in Michigan uh, maybe that shook him up a little bit before the Olympics. Just and then needs some to criticism that he
0: had during the Olympics of a thing that he posted on Snapchat that he maybe shouldn't have posted.
1: Absolutely. He finds his name in the headlines for a lot of reasons that don't involve basketball often. Um, when he is focused, though, he's a heck of a basketball player and a game changer. But he might be a guy on that Warriors team that has to step back and... At least offensively, there's not going to be many shots left for him. See, that's the year. thing about it because I think that you know, there's all this talk
0: about you know with Steph and Durant that Clay Thompson is going to have to be the one that sacrifices. I don't think he is. I think it's going to be more Draymond. and Is Draymond going to be okay with that?
1: Yeah, and uh, I mean that's a season-long storyline to watch. We talked about Warriors' expectations there. I want them to go seventy-seven and five. I'm up in it a little bit more, <laughs> but we did get a question that's reasonable um, uh, from Greek Bulls fan on Twitter about Bulls' expectations. From the front office's perspective, Greek Bulls fan asks us, what kind of season will be considered a success for the Bulls' front office? A second-round exit, he perhaps throws out there. Uh, Your thoughts, Sean? Well, one thing that I think is
0: interesting is that last year, after the Bulls fired Tom Thibodeau and hired Fred Hoiberg, they were saying... Fred said that the roster had enough talent to contend for a title at his introductory press conference, and then obviously that blows up in their faces when they don't make the playoffs. Yeah. This past summer, you know, after the draft stuff and after Rondo and Wade uh, signings, they were very careful. They didn't say... That's a very good point. They didn't say, we are going to be title contenders, or they, they didn't say, you know, we're we want to win X number of games, we want to get this playoff seed. I think after the way last season went, the Bulls would be thrilled to just be back in the playoffs and be competitive in the playoffs. It's not winning a series or winning two series or getting to this round. I think just getting to the playoffs and not embarrassing themselves at this point. Being more
1: competitive on a night-to-night basis, where they're in the headlines for all the right reasons again, will instill some more respect that was lost at times last year. Just just in the mockery of a lot of things that happen, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think Dwayne Wade, again, goes a long way toward that. And you mentioned the Bulls were vague about expectations here over the summer as they were in transition. But, I mean, I directly asked Dwayne Wade, that was a question I asked him at his introductory press conference, what are fair, realistic expectations for, for next season? And it was a question I didn't expect him to be like, we got to go to the Eastern Conference Finals and give LeBron our best shot. I didn't expect him to do that, but it's just a way to get him on the record and kind of take the temperature, you know what I mean? And, and he handled it very well because that's what he does. He's savvy, he's smart, been around a long time and you know Dwayne Wade didn't set the expectations at all because he doesn't know how the pieces are going to fit. So I mean in that regard, he's a realist, I think. Um Well, everybody in the Bulls organization,
0: like whatever you want to say about Gar and Pax and the moves they made this summer, they're not they know that their Bulls are not as good as the Cavs. Oh yeah. Like they like they they're not stupid. Like they they know that expecting them to contend for a title. They know that they're even, you know, even if you want to be super 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 generous and put them in the second or third tier, of Eastern Conference playoff teams. They're not on the level of Boston or Toronto either.
1: Yeah, and Gar, I think he finally acknowledged that last year too with the the window closing quote, I think. Did he have that? At, I can't remember if it was Derrick Rose's presser or if it was the Valentine presser or Wade, whatever it was. One of them. It, was he, when, it was Rose. He, he acknowledged that the window closed during 2015-16 or even before, but they wanted to give that group one last run at it. So that was almost like his way a year later of saying that – The Bulls weren't good enough after 2014-15, but they brought the same team back, which raises questions about why on earth he would ever do that when he believed after 2014-15 that the window was basically closing. Um, That's a big red flag if you're a GM. Uh, I think to know that and not act upon it, which added to his list of questionable decisions in the past few years, but it goes back to the point, yeah, they know kind of, I think, where they stand for better or for worse, and right now it's trying to get that, into the playoff spot, back of the Eastern Conference playoff push
0: is where I see them at, Sean. Yeah, I would agree. I, w- I think if they made the playoffs, uh, that would be considered a success for them. It's obviously not, you know, with, with the big names that they added, that's not what you want to hear, but I think that's what's realistic for them.
1: Yeah, we'll wrap this, uh, this podcast episode up with a little more lighthearted question, but Charlie underscore tweeter, you can guess where he sent that from, Twitter uh ask sean and i what are your favorite deep dish pizza spots in the city i don't know if charlie is an out-of-towner or if he is a chicagoan if he's a chicagoan i'm sure he has plenty of opinions himself but you have any favorite deep dish spot sean i'm a lose guy i don't know about you luminatis yeah i love Pequods.
0: i don't think i'm not
1: Pequods. we're gonna have to get it sometime um and i mean we're pizza guys, obviously. We yeah. love it. Yeah. Um, we don't get deep dish too often. Our place after both games is actually Roots, which has phenomenal pizza over on Chicago Avenue. Yeah. I think. Uh, pretty close to United Center. Phenomenal pizza. Great, great breadsticks. Or mozzarella sticks and breadsticks, both. But mozzarella sticks are terrific. Like, as cheesy as they come. Um, but they're not known for their deep dish pizza as much. But Pequod's is great. I think it's Webster and Clyborne in Lincoln Park area. And... They, like, got a burnt crust. It's awesome. Yeah. It's, like, it's like to die for. I'm not a huge deep-dish pizza guy. I'm not guy. either. Like, I, I know tourists love it.
0: I'm not from like, here, so I didn't day. grow up with
1: it. And I grew up in Illinois, not Chicago, more over by the Quad Cities area. Um, so, like, I was never, like, super gung-ho about deep-dish pizza. Like, I like it, but, I mean, it's a lot to take on for, like, a dinner. Like, you eat two pieces, and you're, like done for the evening like I don't want to move off the couch I don't want to do anything right because what, I mean?
0: like, what, what, like, what I'll do is whenever I order it what I'll do is like I'll order it and that's like my food for the next day and a half
1: <laughs> for the next like week right exa- right exactly on. like
0: we're, we're, like I feel like with, with with thin crust pizza like I mean I like deep dish but it's the kind of thing you have to be in the right mood yeah that's true to have it you, whereas with, with regular pizza you can just grab a slice anytime and it's great
1: yeah and I, regular pizza is like a better hit I think after Bulls games like you're not in the mood at like midnight for a ton of deep dish so that's right. why we, we go with more thin crust but no like Sean's fridge is not well stocked with food no. for weeks it's rather bare so that deep dish pizza has plenty of room in there it's not it's it's not a good situation I can't I can uh can't speak for too much more food in my refrigerator either but uh yeah those are spots so we'll hit up you just had to put me on blast even though yours is just as bad <laughs> close I got a lot of condiments in there and stuff though you know like that's what's stocked in the fridge and then like stuff for tacos love sure. tacos too um, so I got stuff in there right now for that. But um, as always we appreciate your questions. Send them to Locked On Bulls on Twitter. Very helpful. Email them to lockdownbulls at gmail.com. Basketball questions, advertising inquiries. Thanks once
0: again to SeatGeek for sponsoring the show. Remember to go use the promo code LO Bulls. Make your first purchase on SeatGeek and get a twenty dollar rebate back. It's the best way to buy and sell tickets online.
1: Yep. Follow Sean on Twitter at Hiken, follow myself at Cody Westerlin. Most of all, subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. Hit us up on Stitcher. Find us on Audio Boom, Google Play, anywhere else you can a podcast fix. Um, we are at. We appreciate you listening, and we'll be back soon enough with another episode. Until then, take care. Rush into Old Navy today for up to 50% off store-wide. Get dresses from $15 for women, $12 for girls, plus up to 75% off clearance for the whole family right now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1016 to 1020, select styles only.